I'm glad you're all here this morning. Please join me as we sing the doxology, which is found in the red hymnal number 549. The doxology number 549. number 666. How pleasant are your encampments, O Lord of armies! My spirit has longed, yes, yearned for the courts of the Lord. My mind and my flesh sing out to the living God. Even the bird finds a home, the swallow a nest, where she may hatch her young ones. Your altar, O Lord of armies, my King, my God. Happy are the residents of your house. They praise you forever. A day in your courts is better than a thousand in another standing at the door of God's house, than a lifetime in tents of the wicked. Yes, the Lord is a sun and shield, giving mercy and honor. The Lord withholds nothing from men of integrity. O Lord of armies, happy is the man who trusts you. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 278. All hail the power of Jesus' name. 278. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels must Bring
singing with me. Please join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, Lord, I am so thankful for everyone that is here this morning. And Lord, you remind us as we come to you in prayer that you will not hear our prayers if our lives are not right with you. And Lord, I would ask that you would forgive me and those who need forgiveness this morning before we come to you in prayer. Lord, we just want to say we're sorry. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of the things that we have done when we have violated your fellowship and our followership in you, believing in your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, we just lift those requests up to you now, God, because we do want you to hear our prayers. And so, God, we ask that you would give us that portal of grace within our lives and that we can come to you in all desires and all things and issues and concerns and challenges that we're having. But first, God, we want to make a clean slate to you as we offer our prayers and our worship to you. God, you forgive us and we praise you for that. So, Lord, right now we come before you with the needs and requests that we have. And, Lord, not only do we pray for ourselves, but we pray for family members and for friends, for the patients throughout this medical center, Lord, for the staff that is working here today, for the family members that we'll be visiting. Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer. God, we would ask that you would hear their prayers, and in the same way that we have confessed those wrongs before you so you can hear our prayers, Lord, we ask that they would do the same, because we want you to hear their prayers as well. And God, we are just so blessed to have this time of worship. We do not take it for granted, Lord. And God, I am just so thankful for everyone that is here. Lord, we pray for this city, for this state, for this nation, for the needs around the world that you are just calling to mind right now individually in our own lives, Lord. We just lift them up to you through the presence of your Holy Spirit. And God, we are so thankful that we have that intercession on our behalf, your Son, Jesus Christ. And we are so thankful that your Son taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. Our next hymn this morning is number 207. Tell me the old, old story. 207.
don't sing that one very often. <laughs> but it's a good song. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Let us pray. God, we are so thankful that you've given us this wonderful time just to come and just to worship you, Lord. We thank you for the prayers that we have been able to offer, for the hymns that we have sung, and the scriptures that we have read. Lord, I would ask that you would just continue that blessing as we worship you now, that you would open our hearts and minds and allow the Spirit to speak in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. You know, I was on social media the other day, and somebody put this quote on there, and I thought it was really good. And the quote is this, Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Is that pretty, pretty simple? Pretty straightforward? That we, when we compare our lives to others, that it actually takes away the joy that God wants us to have and the many blessings that we have around us. But when we make those comparisons... It takes away the joy that we have, the things that we should be thankful for every moment of every day as we walk with God. So I thought about that, and I thought about the things that I make comparisons of in my life, and that quote is actually correct. When I think about the comparisons in terms of what other people have and what I don't, it does take away of the joy that I have in my life. And I'm sure if you take the time to think about that and the comparisons that you make, it also takes away the joy that you have in your life. So what do we do about that? How do we get started in understanding within our own individual lives that when we make that comparison of the things that we do not have or perhaps the things that we want, the things that we can't have, that when we make that comparison, it does take away of the joy in the living that we have in Christ. So how do we get started making a change in that, making and looking at our lives with those unfair comparisons that we do, I know I do, about myself, the comparisons that we make to others? Well, the scriptures that we've read here this morning gives us a story of the persons in Colossae in terms of what they were doing with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we've talked about before in this chapel that the good news, the gospel, means more than just that phrase. It actually means the edict from the life of Christ, the proclamations made by Christ. 
to all of us that the gospel is more than just the good news. It's the proclamation of God's word through his son Jesus Christ in our own individual lives. And those proclamations, that gospel is something in which it should be life-changing. But how do we respond to that when every day we make those comparisons? And once again, I can only point to myself. I know that I make those comparisons every day. But how do I get started being the people of Colossae in terms of looking at my life and sharing the gospel and understanding of the faith that God wants me to have, the hope that is stored up for you and for me in heaven, the hope that God wants us to have every moment and every day in our lives. And I've shared with you here before that hope is not a plan because God wants us to have a plan in our lives. And that plan, of course, is our desire to follow God's will for our lives, the things that we do. Many times I find myself getting started over and over again. Perhaps you do too. Things are going great. Things are going along well. God seems to be answering your prayers, and all of a sudden things seem to fall apart, and we find ourselves at the beginning point again, trying to get started, trying to motivate ourselves, trying to get where we want to be. But every day as we live for the Lord, we have to remind ourselves that within our own lives, that you and I are in Christ. You and I have made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior. So everything that we do, everything that we say should be in Christ. And I know it's not for me. Perhaps maybe it's not for you. I hope it is, that everything you do and everything you say is in Christ. But that's one of the things that we need to return to in terms of getting started. And even if we have to go back to it every day, That's a great starting place for us to be in Christ. That we take those mistakes, take the things that we have done wrong, and we we confess those things as we, we did with our prayer this morning. Understanding that God cannot hear our prayers if there's things in our life that is called sin. The things that deprive us from the fellowship that God wants us to have. I know I have them, and perhaps you have them as well. Did anybody not sin this week? All right, I don't see any. Oh, I'm making sure that no no show of hands back here. All right. So that's good in terms of we all are at the same starting point, and we all need to get started every day. Because when we think about our lives in Christ, it should reflect on something in our lives that it is holy for us that morally that the obligation that we have in Christ is to be holy, try to be holy, to make the attempt to do those things that honor God, to say those things that honor God, to think those things that honor God, for our lives to be holy. And I know that is a struggle. It is a struggle for me. And I don't think I'm any different than any of you here because we all agreed that we have sinned this week. I didn't see anybody raise their hands. Because if you did, I would have asked you to come up here and preach and finish my sermon because you are a better person 
than I am, and you deserve to be here preaching the Word of God if you had not sinned this week. But when we think about that, when we think about the lives that God wants us to have in Christ and the whole aspect of it to be holy, it's something that transcends our own understanding. And the hope that the people in Colossae had is something in which intellectually they believed in the message of Jesus Christ. They believed in the message of salvation. And because of that, they understood what hope truly meant, that hope was following God's will. Hope was following God's plan and believing that. And they shared it with one another. Because as they made that intellectual process in terms of believing and faith of the message of Jesus Christ, doing those things in Christ, walking their lives as close as they possibly could to the holiness in Christ, they believed. They believed. And as they believed, they reached out to those that were around them in their love. And they called each other brothers and sisters in Christ because they understood that that's what it meant to be in Christ. So you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. You and I as brothers and sisters in Christ are to do those things that honor God in all holiness. And it is with faith believing. And in that city they were able to share what they believed in with others. They were able to share that love. They were able to share that hope just like we need to do that here in Phoenix, in faith believing to share that hope, to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to share with those who do not know the Lord what it is to be following a plan that God has made for us. But we need to understand that there was an appreciation that they had for God. There was a thankfulness that they had for God. Have you ever thought about the fact that you need to be appreciative of what God has done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ? In fact, the other day I was just having a time of prayer and thinking about things, and all of a sudden the words about me loving God, I love you, God. Have you ever said that recently? And it was kind of weird as I was expressing those thoughts and saying, I love you, God. It felt kind of weird. I I don't know, does that make sense? You know, when we say, I love you, God, and you're like, hmm, I love you, God. I don't want to make you say it here, but that was a thought for all of us to say, I love you, God. Can we say that? Sure. I love you, God. I love you, God. All right. Now, we got that out of the way, right? But that's the relationship that God wants us to have. And it felt weird. I, and as I was thinking about it, I, I just like, God... I do love you, and I don't know why it felt so weird for me to say that, because it shouldn't, but it, it, it did. Now, I say I love you to my wife, and I say I love you to my children, and I say I love you to my grandchildren, I say I love you to friends, but when I said the words, I love you, God, there was something unique there, something that I hadn't thought about before, the relationship that I truly do have with God. The relationship that you truly do have with God. But yet it seems that many times that God has seemed to abandon us. 
it seems, depending upon your life and how it has, has, how it has unfolded, that there are times when it seemed that God was not with you, that you were forsaken. But God tells us that that is not the case. That God is always there with us. So it should not have made me feel different for me saying, I love you, God. When I say that God loves us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and I say it's because of Christ's love that God has bridged that gap between ourselves and God, but I don't think I've ever consciously said, I love you, God. And I think that's something, at least for me, and maybe perhaps it is for you, that when we are getting started again after we've had a a good mountaintop experience and we seem to be hitting that valley or heading in that direction of the valley or maybe we're down in the valley and we're trying to figure out how to get back up again to where God wants us to be, maybe that is the getting started point for us to say, God, I love you. I love you, God. And it is with all appreciation that I just appreciate everything that you've done. But it's more than just appreciation. It's wanting God. And when we say, I love you, God, I I think we're making a statement that, God, I want you in my life. I know that when I say I love you to my wife, and I I say I love you to my children and to my in-laws and to my grandchildren, I am actually making a statement that I want them in my life because I am saying I love you and you are important to me and I want you to be in my life. I want you to be a part of my life and I want to be a part of your life. Something to think about by saying I love you God because for me it reveals the whole desire that I have that I want God to be a part of my life. And I want to be a part of my life in God. And the people in Colossae, they were that way. They were practicing the fact that they were saying, I love you, God. And I want to respond to that. And we see that by their workings in terms of their evidence within their own lives of the working of God their faith in Christ, their love for all the saints, understanding that the hope that they have is stored in heaven. But that hope is also something that is given for us to use every day. Every day that hope is given to us to have in our desire to follow God's plan for our lives. We talked about the last time that I preached about God's grace and what it represents. We prayed about it this morning, that Lord, allow us to come through that portal of grace that you've provided to us. That time of truth. And God, we want to have that joy. We want to have that peace. We want to have that relationship that we have in Christ to be fruitful. We we want it to be growing. We want to see it maturing in our own lives. We want to practice the truth that you have given us and all the things that we say and all the things that we do. But yet we have to have a response to that. And as we get started every day, every morning, thinking about the things of the Lord, understanding the challenges that we may be facing, God wants us to hear him. 
for the presence of his spirit in our lives. And more than just hearing, God wants us to understand. And understanding can be very difficult because we're trying to understand the circumstances in our lives. And I want to suggest to you this morning that the understanding that God wants to have is beyond our circumstances. As we hear the Word of God within our own lives, as we are having that time of prayer or the time that we might be listening to some music that inspires us to think about the things of God or perhaps the time that we are reading something that is giving us an understanding of God that we never thought about before, but that understanding that God wants us to have is beyond our circumstances. Because our circumstances within our own individual lives are just distractions. They're distracting us from the life that God wants us to have. They're distracting us from the joy that God wants us to have. And that's why we talked about at the beginning the whole idea of comparison being the thief of joy because we look at our circumstances and immediately we want to make comparisons about all the things that are taking place in our lives. We want to compare ourselves to others. And God says, no, don't do that. Go beyond your circumstances and understand what I'm trying to do in your life. That I'm trying to come into your life because I want to be a part of you. And that's why we say, I love you, God. Because I want God to be a part of my life and I want to be a part of of God's life, following His will. And then we begin to see things beyond our circumstances that gives us that understanding that we never thought before. And we don't allow the circumstances to control our lives. Do we get irritated with them? Do we get annoyed with them? Do we feel some stress about them and some some pressure about them? Yes. But once again, those are distractions from depriving us of the understanding that God wants us to have. And then when we see that, when we see the understanding that God has for us, then we begin to understand more and more and we have a desire to learn more and more about God. Hearing what God has to say through His Word, through our time of prayer, through what others have said as they have tried to put in words, their experience with God. And we walk away stronger because of what we have achieved with the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And our beliefs become stronger. And as we believe with confidence, the doing part of our lives takes place. It gives us the understanding that God wants us to have. The doing those things that fulfill his role in our lives that we take that in that transformation doing those things that honor God to live that holiness that God wants us to have in faith believing to experience those things that God wants us to experience we come away renewed and refreshed as though we have just gotten started And that newness is what God wants us to have. The newness of every moment of every day that renews our lives in Christ. Understanding that as God walks with us, that we have nothing to fear.
believing in confidence what God has always had for us. His desire to have that relationship with us. His desire for us to be one with Him. For His desire for us to say, I love you God, regardless of what are the circumstances that we are in. Regardless of perhaps the pain that we might be feeling emotionally, spiritually, physically, to go beyond that, to come to that understanding that we have that hope, that hope that assures us in our lives, that hope that God gives us through anything that we might be facing. So it is my hope and prayer that if you feel that you need to get started again in your relationship with God, do so. And if you're wondering what you need to say at the beginning part of getting started, just say, I love you, God. And the rest will take care of itself. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion. And it is a real public testimony of God saying to us that I love you. And when we share communion together as a body of believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are saying, I love you, God, in return. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful that you've given us this wonderful opportunity to come and worship you. And Lord, just to be reminded of that wonderful relationship that you want to have with each and every one of us. And for us, God, to always say, I love you, God. I love you, God. And Lord, I just thank you for that. Thank you that you have been hearing our prayers because we've asked for forgiveness of the sins in our lives to make things right. That we have partaken of the free gift that you've given us of your grace and that your forgiveness that is there with us forever and ever. Thank you, God, for this time of communion. In Christ's name, amen.
For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn this morning is number 137. My Jesus, I love thee.
be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Bless the Lord, my soul, and bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, who leads me into life. Sing with me. Bless the Lord, my soul, who leads me 